So uh, Pastor Lejeune looked at me, and I shook my head, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not coming up there. What do you do when something like that happens, you know? I, um, I was saying to somebody before, you know, as a child, you have a dream that you've, uh, you're supposed to have been prepared for a test, and you have this dream that you get to school and you're not prepared, and then you wake up, and it's like, whew. My, my dream as an adult is that you're supposed to get up at the pulpit and have something to say, and you wake up and go, oh, I had nothing to say. That does happen sometimes, but let me, uh, let me tell you, um, I'm, I'm somewhat in a dilemma. Uh, the dilemma is that when our pastor stands in the pulpit, what do you expect to hear? Truth, right? Truth, always. So this morning I wake up and um, I go down to my office and I'm reading and thinking and pondering some thoughts for this evening. And I thought, why'd they give Pastor Andrew watermelon? I said, you know, that's not going to draw anybody. Watermelon, that wouldn't do a thing for me. <laughs> now, it wouldn't do a thing, but like, one of my daughters makes this uh, dip for fruit. And the dip is, starts with 16 ounces of fluff. Yes. Now, for you health conscious, fluff is uh, no cholesterol. Now, I don't know what she mixes in with this fluff, um, uh, marshmallow fluff, but um, I could be then enticed for, you know, watermelon. Other than that, it's like, no, not not it. So this morning I was thinking, why'd they give me ice cream? They needed to draw a crowd. And then I come to church this morning, and what does the pastor stand in the pulpit and do? He says that we gave Brother Rones the ice cream, because it would draw some people in. I'm sitting there going, you stole my thunder right off. And I have a feeling, I'm like, is he telling the truth? So my ego is, is severely harmed. My self-esteem is absolutely deflated. Uh, Pastor, I think uh, biweekly would it be, or twice a week, uh, counseling sessions are probably in order. Um, we would, uh, you know, and, and until uh, my ego and uh, self-esteem are uh, reinflated to their prior overabundance, um, I'm, I'm really going to be stuck with you, you know. So I couldn't believe it when I heard that this morning. So I had to tell you that. Uh, absolutely true. I was sitting there going, I can't believe he's saying this. But he probably knew enough about Jim to go, oh, I've got him now, you know. So listen, the Bible says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Um, and I, I love to see things like that. Let me tell you a little something, Pastor. Um, uh, we know where the people are who have been reached at White Oak. Uh, some of them are still all over the place. I can remember walking down, I think, in the area of Pembroke Street one day and meeting a young man on a bicycle who was just, he was telling me, I used to get picked up by a bus from a Lighthouse in Norwalk uh, and uh, Brother Russo, and they, he was around. He knew he was saved. He'd been out of the will of God for a period of time, but he knew they're still around. Yesterday I had an opportunity to be out with uh, uh, Danny. He was my uh, soul winning partner, and we went over into a bus area. And as we were walking down the street, the very first lady that uh, I think when we got there, Brother Vara was talking to a lady, and when I walked up to get some information from him of where to go, uh, she remembered us and started telling us about her son, and I think she, her son had ridden a bus at some point in the past and some other things. So we're walking down Ogden Street, and we're going to go cover Seaview Avenue, 
And I remembered a lady who had a, a, a special needs daughter in a wheelchair, and I thought, let's go around the back of these condominiums. They face Seaview Avenue, but you can only get in from the back side. And um, I said, let's go. I said, Lord, that would be so amazing if that lady still lived there. We knocked on a couple doors, and then I knocked on, I think, one or two, and then hers. And another lady answers the door. But it's not the lady who had the special needs daughter. But this lady says to me, I remember you. She said, I lived at 472 Trumbull Avenue, and you guys used to pick up my son, who's now, I thought she told me, on scholarship playing football somewhere, and all of these things. And she said, you know, I'll never forget your church. I said, well, do you have a church that you go to? And she does, not too far away. She goes, but I remember that when my brother got murdered, your church stepped in to be a help to us. That's where they are. They're all over the place doesn't take you but a few minutes to go around the city of Bridgeport and you'll find somebody that White Oak Baptist Church has ministered to in, in some measure. Now, I was excited. We didn't get to uh, meet any Spanish speakers. I've brother, uh, go, gone out with uh, Brother Salinas and I said to Daniel, are you bilingual? He said, yes. He said, you can speak Spanish well? He said, yes. I said, perfect. I said, because I may need an interpreter. Uh, but we praise the Lord about that. If you would, open your Bibles to uh, the book of Jonah. That's on page 1157, in my Bible at least, open to the book of Jonah. A number of weeks ago, I think it was in the, um, the last, uh, um, what do we call our Sunday school classes now? Yes, our life group, sorry. Uh, during the last, last of the life groups, Brother Kyle taught um, through the book of Jonah, excellent job, uh, on different things, and I, uh, he said to me tonight, did you mark down all ten of my points to preach them? I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, that works, right? But um, let's, uh, let's take a look at some things here, and um, let's pray. My Father, I do ask that you would help me to be uh, clear in, in my thinking, clear in my presentation, but really out of the way. Uh, we step in the pulpit and we really have nothing to say. We need the Spirit of God to do a mighty work, uh, to teach and guide and direct and take simple truths to drive them home, to stir our hearts with those things that are right and pleasing in your eyes. And my Father, I just ask that you would do that right now. We submit to you. We yield to you. Uh, you guided and directed and, and kept pressing me to come back to this same thought. Uh, so, my Father, I just pray you'd help me to do that now. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says that you and I are not to compare ourselves one to another. Um, there's, it's, it's foolishness when we do that. Uh, I like to look at the Word of God, and sometimes you look at the Word of God and think, who were these people? They seem superhuman, but they weren't superhuman. Uh, they were like you and me. They were subject to like passions that we are. They had difficulties that we have. They're there as our ensamples. They're there as our examples. And I don't... I don't um, uh, disparage Jonah's name by the, the, the uh, title of our message is Characteristics of a Modern Day Jonah. I don't disparage his name because I think what if a thousand years from now God was to give us 66 more chapters but they were about our lives and then all of our, all of our failings were exposed like we see sometimes here. But that would be, you know, interesting. I often wonder, I don't think God's been silent. He's given us what we need, but, uh, you know, there's so much wisdom that he has. 
But I think about that, and so oftentimes what I like to do is I do, I do look to make the scriptures practical for me. So if I can see it and I can understand it, uh, then there's some clarity there. So I want you to see with me some, some characteristics that we find here in Jonah, uh, the book of Jonah, and let's just sort of examine ourselves uh, and we'll see the characteristics, then we'll look at a path back uh, to an area of service. If you look with me at Jonah 1.1, the first thing I notice here, the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, And I thought, Jonah had direct access to the word of God. And the modern day Jonah has direct access to the word of God. Now, how many of you, just do me a favor, hold up your hands if you have a copy of the Bible. And don't put your hand down until I get past this. Hold your hands there. If you only have one copy, put your hand down. Two copies. Three. Four. Five. Six. Seven. Eight. Nine. Ten. Oh, I could keep going? I see a hand way in the back there. Look, you can have, you can have copies of the scriptures on your phone. You can go to Walmart, Kmart. I don't know if you go to Kmart anymore. I think they're out of business. Uh, but you can go to all of these different stores, and for a dollar, you can get a copy of the King James Bible. Uh, you can have the Word of God readily available. And we see that here, that the, the modern-day Jonah, uh, he has direct access to the Word of God. Now, the Word of the Lord came unto Jonah, and we have that. We have that ability to sit there with the Word of God on our phones or anywhere else. And let me, let me just put a little plug in here for a moment, if you don't mind. Uh, well, I guess if you mind, that's okay, because I'll tell you anyway. Uh, my preference is that we use the Word of God in its printed page. Um, I use my phone for news. I use it for reading. I use it for texting. I use it for emailing. I use it all those things. I don't want the Word of God just to be commonplace. I don't want it just to sit there, and it's another thing I do on my electronic device. Now, if you do that, that's fine with you, but um, just, just a thought. There's something special about the printed Word of God. So the, uh, the characteristics of a modern-day Jonah, he, that modern-day Jonah has direct access to the Word of God. I don't think it takes us long to establish that each and every one of us, uh, look, at, we've had people come here, they didn't have a Bible, and they leave with a Bible. Uh, I remember uh, right after I got saved, Brother Verone, his name got mentioned earlier today, he was here as a uh, member and a, pa- uh, excuse me, a deacon for many, many years. He bought me my first Bible in 1983. It, I was here one time, and the next week somebody was handing me the Word of God that I could take my very own copy of the Bible home. So we have that modern-day Jonah has direct access to the Word of God. The second thing I notice here is in Jonah. It's going to say Jonah 1-3, but it's actually one chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. It says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to, up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. So we know the story. If you've been around Christianity any period of time, you know the story of Jonah and all that took place. But what I see here is that not only did Jonah have direct access to the word of God, but he knew what was expected of him. God had clearly given him instructions on what he wanted him to do. And what we find is Jonah intentionally headed in a different direction. That's the question we have for right now. Do we have some of those characteristics of a modern-day Jonah? Of course we do. We all have the first one because we have direct access to the Word of God. And there are times where we know 
what's expected of us. And we intentionally head in a different direction. I said this morning, uh, it just happened that we were, uh, our, our class today in the men's class was about studying the Word of God. And I said, listen, when you're reading the Word of God and the Spirit of God uh, uh, shows you something or reveals something, I, you can remember you've read through the book of Job's, I don't know how many times, and when, that was my illustration. You read through the book of Job and, and you're reading and reading, and all of a sudden something, it's like, wow, I don't ever remember seeing that before. How many times does that happen? Well, when God opens your eyes to something, sometimes I look and say, who put that there? You know, where'd that come from? But it's been there all along. But when God opens your eyes to something and when you see some truth or something that comes along, then that's what you need to pay attention to. God is showing you something that's his will for you in particular. I remember some time ago, uh, one of my sons many years ago, they wanted to get a, uh, an MMA fight, and, uh, and he said, Hey, Dad, you want to you wanna chip in and be part of it? I think they really just wanted me to pay for it. But uh, do you want to watch this with us? And I said, No. And they said, Why not? I said, Well, I was reading through the book of Genesis, and I noticed that when God punished mankind with the flood, it wasn't just about their sinful behavior. It said the land was loaded. It was full of violence. And the Spirit of God had been convicting me about the, 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 the wrestling and the fighting and those kind of things and watching it and, and sort of enjoying somebody getting punched in the mouth. And, you know, and I thought, I can't, okay, Lord. But that was me. And my son said to me, Dad, I'm not there yet. But that's okay because the Spirit of God was showing me something, and it may not be exactly what he shows you. We're not cookie cutters, every one of us, but we should have a similar pattern because we're all supposed to be conformed to the image of Christ. So there's a similarity amongst every one of us, but it's not, it's not every personality is exactly the same. But the characteristics of a modern day Jonah is that we have that direct access to the Word of God, and we know what's expected, but we intentionally head in a different direction. God, I can remember, oh boy, this is a hurtful one. And I've told you this before. I have a heart for Bridgeport. Part of it, there used to be the um, Park City Baptist Church in Bridgeport. Pastor Ed Fanton was the pastor there. And I've told you the story about that time I had $100 in my pocket. And the Spirit of God, I, I, that was a lot of money. This was 1984, 85, whatever it might have been. And the Spirit of God said to me, go give that to that pastor. As I walked by that door and I saw, you gave that to me. Think about it. That's 40 years ago. And I didn't do it then. I did it later. But boy, can you imagine? I wonder if that would have encouraged that man to stay put. When somebody knocks on his door, when they're sitting there praying for food, not over their food, they're sitting there praying for food, and Jim took that $100 and off he went. How many of us have done? We know that the Spirit of God has impressed us to do something. He's directed us to do something, and we intentionally head off in a different direction. I'm sure I'm not the only one guilty of that, but I'm, I'm the one sort of confessing that in measure right now. We have direct access to the Word of God. We know what's expected of us, but we intentionally head in a different direction. You ever gotten up on a Saturday morning or, or the Spirit of God is stirring you to go to the church and go out soul winning or be on a bus route or something like that and you find something else to do on a Saturday morning? Look, at your flesh is not telling you to get up and go to church. Uh, the Spirit of God is telling you to get up and go to church. Uh, your flesh is never, if you're ever in that battle where you're wondering, is this a, is this a godly decision? Is this what God wants for me? Uh, your flesh never wants you to do spiritual things. So you can always, when you have that 
pass that track out, go speak to this person, knock on that specific door right there. That's the Spirit of God. We know what's expected of us, but we intentionally head in a different direction. Look at Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was likely to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship unto the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. The third characteristic of a modern day Jonah is he's oblivious to the signs of the times and unconcerned about the plight of those around him. You know, you think about that. I don't think that the um, item that we're calling a pandemic is a pandemic at all. I think it's a pestilence. It's allowed of God to catch people's attention. And, and I mean, it, really the words, you can look it up. I was looking up the word pestilence earlier. And I look at that and think, we heard a, a message the other day uh, when we were at the conference in New Jersey and the, the uh, preacher spoke about, I think it was, uh, was it Psalm 2? I'm, I'm not 100% sure. And it was about of the prophecy of Psalm 2 is going to happen. God is going to bring about these things. And uh, yesterday when I was out to, with, uh, with Daniel on that next door that we knocked on, this young lady answered, 24 years old, um, she was probably wearing the dirtiest dress that I've ever seen. And my heart just broke for her. Articulate as can be, thinking and, 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 and questioning some things about the Word of God and, and different aspects of life. How can we not minister to those around us when we see all that's going on. You think about our neighbors and, uh, and, and some of those associates were oblivious to the signs of the times and oftentimes we just, we're just going about with our busy lives and our busyness and we're missing opportunity after opportunity to minister and to serve to those around me. It, it bothered me a little bit that my heart doesn't break for Main Street Putney in the same way that that young lady's heart grabbed a hold of mine and in her need and, and in those things that I've seen. We don't want to be oblivious to the signs of the time and unconcerned about the plight of those around us. There are hurting people all over the place. There are those that we can minister to all around us. All we have to do is look about and see. Uh, they, may, they may put on that brave front and they may put on that courageous uh, outlook and that, that uh, I don't need anything, but no, that's not the way it really is because they're hurting and they're heartbroken and they are in need of help. And here we see that when God sent that great wind and he, when that pestilence was allowed to come into the land, how are we using that as an opportunity to say, listen, I think that they're saddling that horse for Christ's return right now, and it's getting prepared and ready. It's not far off. It's not far off at all. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares. That young lady who said to me yesterday, uh, she said, I've been looking at things online and I've been reading and I've been studying some different areas, and I knew from what she told me, I knew what it was, but, but God hath not given us a spirit of fear. But there is a spirit of fear all around society, all around us, all over the place, and they are crying out to nothing. They don't know what to do, and we have the answers. We have the way to guide them and direct them. 
but we're oblivious to the signs of the times and unconcerned about the plight of those around us. And that is another characteristic of a modern-day Jonah. Look with me, if you would, at Jonah, uh, again, chapter 1 and verse 6. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that, he, uh, that God will think upon us that we perish not. And the next thing I notice about the modern-day Jonah is he's only drawn into action when circumstances pressure him. It's your mom who's in the hospital bed. It's your dad. It's your brother. It's your cousin. Uh, it's your friend who you're brokenhearted over all of a sudden. The pressure has now been placed right close to home, and now we think, oh, why, we've got to get active and we've got to get busy. Um, we've got to get involved and we've got to help them. They, Jonah didn't respond here till there was some pressure put on him, just laying there asleep, laying there asleep. I told you that time that I, uh, I, I got up on a Sunday morning and I was thinking, I'm not going to church today. And God made me miserable. I didn't sleep good. I said, I'll not let that happen again, you know. Just, I'm going to sleep in. No, God says you're not going to sleep in. He put the pressure on us to get out. But look at, that's oftentimes, we don't need to wait until that moment when the pressure's on us or you get that tragic phone call or that, 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 desert, uh, uh, that note that just says, oh my, I, I never knew this was going on. We need to be looking about and drawn into action uh, before the pressure is applied. There were some of us, uh, I'm not sure if it was uh, Brother Greer, or it might have been Mark B., uh, some years ago, uh, uh, Pastor Peslak had asked us to get involved in some area of ministry, and we went off and we were talking about it, and, and, and I said to him afterwards, he said, Jim, what do you think we should do? I said, how can we not do anything when we can see there's a problem? If you look about and you see there's a, a ministry need or a problem in some area, then look at God is bringing that to your attention. Get involved. Let, that be, let God put the pressure on you uh, to get involved. The characteristics of a modern-day Jonah, he has direct access to the Word of God. He knows what's expected of him, but intentionally heads in a different direction. He's oblivious to the signs of the times and unconcerned about the plight of those around him. He's only drawn into action when circumstances uh, pressure him. So what do we do? Because every one of us, in measure, can have some of those characteristics. That doesn't mean they're, they're always bad. I mean, look at it. If we have the word of God, praise the Lord. You start reading the word of God. Let God start changing you from the inside out. And out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will start speaking. You wonder why is it that I'm scared to talk? Just get in the word of God. Now, it may not be enough that you read the word of God for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Maybe you need to read for three or four hours a day. But when that starts to flow out of you, it's going to be the work of God. It's not going to be the work of our flesh. It's going to be God changing us from the inside out. So what do we do? What's that path of change that I see here in the word of God that we can do in Jonah? Look at Jonah chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, after all this time, he's in the, uh, the belly of the whale. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly. God does not want us to be humiliated, but he wants us to be humble. And sometimes we just have to turn around and say, Lord, I have blown it so big and so bad so many times, I need you. One of my somewhat repetitive prayers is, I need thy presence, or thy presence I need. 
when, with the presence of God, everything else comes into perspective. Everything else comes into play. Everything else then seems so clear in understanding. We need to humble ourselves and turn to our Heavenly Father. Look, at, he's not going to humiliate you. He's going to say, come, come on, let's go. I know what I want you to do. I know that I have plans for you. I know where I want you to be. Humble yourself and pray. If you find that you've got some of those characteristics, let's just turn to him. He wants to do that work in us. Doesn't the word of God say that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ? Humble yourself and pray, asking God, telling him. He already knows all the answers. He knows my, he knows my every thought. I just have to sometimes say to him, here's my admitting to it. We talked this morning a little bit about the difference between confession and repentance. And oftentimes we have to confess to God, and we should. 1 John 1, 9, we know that. We confess to God, but you know what? Repentance, I think there's a, there's a measure of a difference there because there was a time that I saw a sin in my life and it disgusted me. It bothered me so severely that I said, I don't ever want to do that again. I think God gave me a glimpse of what it looks like from his perspective and our sin. We just need to go to him, humble ourselves, and pray. Jonah chapter 2 and verse 4. Jonah chapter 2 and verse 4. It says, Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Jonah chapter 2 and verse 4. This one is to turn your focus in God's direction. No matter where you've been and what you've, what you've been doing, you can turn your focus in God's direction. And that's what we see Jonah doing here. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet will I look again towards thy holy temple. Sometimes our prayer just needs to be, Lord, would you help me to turn my head towards you? My actions may not go there yet, but if I can keep looking your direction, then my body is going to be moved along that way also at some point. Turn your focus in God's direction. Malachi 3.7 says, return unto me and I will return unto you. Jeremiah 26.13, therefore now amend your ways and your doings and obey the voice of the Lord. Jeremiah 15.19, I love this one. Therefore thus saith the Lord, if thou return, then will I bring thee again and thou shalt stand before me. You've got breath that you're still able to breathe. It's not too late. You can turn any moment and, and start looking to your heavenly father and cry out to him and say, I need thee every hour. I need you to do a work in me that I can't do. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing, and it is abundantly clear that there's nothing good in my flesh. So we look at that. Turn your focus in God's direction. That's part of the path to change. Uh, look at Jonah chapter uh, 2 and verses 5 through, uh, 5 through 7. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my hand or my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. We need to just sometimes remind ourselves of all that God has done and is capable of doing. You're trying to find that path back, then sometimes it, you have to revisit some things that you've seen God do in the past. I can remember, um, some of you know Carol Ford. I, I've, I've told you about her before. And the first time I ever heard that lady pray, I thought, Whew, if I could pray like that, with that heartfelt uh, uh, prayer to our Heavenly Father, 
There's, look at, if you've seen something in someone else's life and God has done something, I, I love to say, Lord, I saw what you did for David. And I know that you're no respecter of persons. You can do that same thing in my life. I remember one day I heard Pastor Peslak say he was driving down wherever that Holly Lane shopping center is. I, I don't know what the name of that road is right next to it. But he's driving down uh, Holly Lane shopping center and the Spirit of God told him to pull in that driveway. And he pulled in the driveway, and if you remember, there was the landscaper that used to come here every now and then, and his wife, and then they moved to New York. Do you remember that family? And I thought one day, well, wait a minute, Lord, if you can tell Pastor Peslak what house to go to as you're driving down the road and knock on a door, I want to see something like that too. I'm down in Bridgeport one day, and there was a lady, Miss Purdy. Some of you may remember that name. But I, I was talking to her. And then I went about, and as I was, I was probably a half a mile away, and I was like, Lord, where do you, what door do you want me to knock on? Which, I want a specific door to knock on. You did that for Pastor Peslak, and I want to see you do it for me. Now, I wasn't telling God. That was a, a heartfelt cry, asking God to, to let me see him work. Build my faith in that area. And I knocked on the door of a 16-year-old young man named Edgar Winter. Not that... Rocker from way back when, people. That was his name. But first off, I stood outside the house and I thought, Jim, how foolish you are. The only reason you're knocking on that door is because that house is a duplicate of Miss Purdy's house up on Shelton Street and it looks the same. And when I knocked on that door and that mother was there and she said, come in, I'm having so much problems with my 16-year-old. Can you talk to him? Can we, can, I, I don't remember the end results. I know we went there a few times and I went by and visited. But God can do that. God can bring you to those. You, when you remind yourself of what God has done and what he's capable of doing. Brother Dave, you and I have talked about walking around that area of the east side of Bridgeport. And testimony after testimony after testimony of people we've met and seeing what God does. It's not an accident. And when you go there and you start getting involved in that kind of work or, or anywhere around and you see God doing it over and over and over again, my word, it builds your faith. It did such an encouragement. You need to remind yourself of all that God has done and is capable of doing. Pat, the difficulties that you've been, you know what they're going to do? They're going to increase your faith because you saw what God was able to do. And you know what? If something else were to happen... God is able to do the same thing for you that he did for Pat and her family. And he, and he does that over and over and over again. He's no respecter of persons. Jonah 2, 5, and 7. We need to remind ourselves all that God has done and is capable of doing. Uh, look at Jonah chapter 2 and verse 9. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So what do we do then? Look, at when you're, when you're making these decisions and I'm trying to find my way back, Lord, I know you haven't left me. I've left you. I'm the one who's walked away or I'm the one who, who has these characteristics in my life. Start doing anything you know that's right to do. Start doing anything you know to be right to do. If, look, at you're here in church, so you're obviously here. But if you're not, then get back. If you've been involved in some area, if, some, if God asks you to do something, um, then let's see, figure out what it is and get back to doing it. If you know it's right to do, then start with that. I know it's right to read the Word of God. Well, then I'm going to do it. My heart doesn't want to. My flesh doesn't want to. I don't desire it, but it's right to do. 
So just start doing what you know is right to do. It helps you on that path of bringing about the change in your life and and shedding those characteristics of a modern-day Jonah. You start doing everything that you know is right to do. Now, it will sometimes, it's just, yeah, I'm going to do this out of duty. Well, I'd rather you did it out of duty than not doing it at all. Because there's oftentimes that, you know, I said to Pastor a week or so ago, Sometimes when I hear people, they talk about how they love God. That doesn't always register with me, the emotional aspect of loving God. Now, it has at times, and and every now and then he gives me a glimpse of that and a glimmer of that, where it's true and it's heartfelt. But you know what he says also is, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, how about deciding that you're just going to be faithful in everything that God has shown you and you know what to do? Just be faithful to him. It's not, you know, look, don't pat ourselves on the back or anything else. It's just let's be faithful to what we know God wants us to do and those things that are right no matter how I feel. And oftentimes it's like just, it's just duty and responsibility. I can remember that one lady, she, I, I said something to her on Pembroke Street that day and she started praising the Lord. I mean, she was just like getting all excited and I stood there going, you phony baloney. Now, I was criticizing myself because I was thinking, Jim, why would you think that of her? But there is, there is a scripture verse that one of the uh, fruit or the gifts of the Spirit is a discernment of spirits. And, and it was, I, I was like I was looking right through to her heart, and I knew it was phony. But we don't want to be that. But look, it, as a Christian, if you're supposed to act like a Christian, well, then act like a Christian. That's not hypocritical. It's hypocritical when you're a Christian and you act like you're unsaved. So let's just start doing everything that we know is right to do. Look at Jonah chapter 2 and verse 10. Jonah 2 and verse 10 up through 3, 1. Uh, And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry ground. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh. So what do we do when all this is taking place? Be prepared to receive God's specific directions and follow them. When you start turning these things around and you start putting those spiritual aspects back into your life and you start trying to push that, those characteristics of a modern-day Jonah out and God speaks to you, just be prepared to listen. Be prepared to listen and say, okay, Lord, he sent Jonah back. He just said, let's go. I still have that job for you to do. Be prepared to receive God's specific directions and follow them. That's not always an easy thing to do. It's pretty easy for me to say. But you know what? When the Lord gives us that opportunity and, and, and we have that chance to, to write some things that maybe had gotten left uh, along the way, just be prepared uh, because God's desire for us hasn't changed. He still wants those things done. Uh, we, may, we may miss an opportunity of service. We may, uh, you know what? That, that $100 that I gave to Pastor Fanton after the fact, 40 years later still bothers me, brings a tear to my eye when I think about it. But why don't you use that for as a, in your own life, we use those things as building blocks for the next time around. The next time around, oh Lord, I remember how I failed you there. I don't want to fail you again like that because we're, look at, I said to the guys this morning, uh, the the one thing about Christian men uh, is that we're, the most consistent thing about us is our inconsistency. And if we could just get some of these things down, boy, the, the word of God is amazing. And uh, we want the word of God to become the joy and rejoicing of our heart. Amen. And lastly, look at Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1. Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1. 
It says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. So we know what happened here. The, the people of Nineveh repented, and Jonah got angry. And I thought, why don't we leave the outcome of our obedience up to God? I don't look at, pastor tells us all the time, you know, go soul winning. And if somebody gets saved, praise the Lord. If they don't get saved, praise the Lord, you are obedient. And what we have to do is, is we have to start putting into play these areas, and then we leave the outcome of our obedience up to God and be satisfied. Okay, Lord, it's not what I anticipated. It's not the end result that I expected. It's not the end result that I planned. But praise the Lord, in this measure, in this area, oh, I was obedient. I was obedient to you. Jonah wound up being obedient, but, you know, we, we know the, the rest of that story. Let's just leave the obedience, leave the outcome of our obedience completely up to God. He is in charge if we don't remember that. Let's pray. My Father, I do ask that you would take this simplicity of thoughts and help us to be uh, aware, acutely aware, uh, where we have character flaws where we have issues that we're struggling through. But my Father, I know that not a single thing about me took you by surprise. And you love me, you care for me, uh, each and everyone here. And my Father, I just ask that you would continue to do a work. I thank you that you do. I thank you that you give us opportunity after opportunity. And Father, we are the ones who are blessed in our obedience. No matter how it turns out, we are blessed beyond measure. The Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you continue to guide and direct and help us to be mindful of being uh, right in our service towards you. We'd ask in Jesus' name. Amen.